Good morning. My name is Ethan. I'm so glad you're here with us today. Uh, if you're a guest, welcome. Uh, you're in a good place on a good day, and it's going to be good to be together. Uh, I'm going to follow up on a couple of things Blake said that you got to know. I see you. Hello. Uh, I want a couple of you got to know Connect Sunday. Um, why do we do this all the time? Why do we make this big deal about Connect Sunday? It's because you aren't meant to do life alone. So make sure you check this out, especially if you're not in a group. One of the things you're going to see featured there is a bunch of studies on Luke. Uh, why Luke? Because our next sermon series, it starts next week. We're going to focus on the gospel of Luke. We're going to start next week. It's going to carry us all the way to Easter. It's going to be like eight or nine weeks in the gospel of Luke. And if you want to study the gospel of Luke while we're going through it on Sunday mornings, uh, we've got two opportunities, two ways you can connect with that, look about that. Also, we've been preaching about prayer. Uh, and if you want to go kind of further in that journey, uh, ladies, we've got an opportunity for you. We've got a, a group on spiritual disciplines that starts February 9th. Um, and, and that won't just be about prayer, but that'll include some attention to prayer. There are lots of other ways you can get connected. Make sure you're doing that. I also want to make sure you don't forget, um, it is the time to sign up for Love Month stuff. Love Month starts next month. In fact, we've got events starting the very first day of February. This is our, des the design of this is that Everybody who's part of FCC finds one way to serve our local community in the month of February. That's our goal, is that all of us get involved. Maybe you want to serve five or six ways. That's great. But the goal is that every, so stop by the table out there, walk around, and just, just say, okay, I'll do one thing. I'm just going to do one thing so my neighbors know, and the city of Johnson City knows, the, the, actually it's bigger than just the city of Johnson City, it's the, it's all the whole region, knows that we love them and that Christ love them uh, throughout the month of February. So jump in on that. Um, I also want to let you know, uh, although today is the last day of our prayer series, uh, the emphasis on prayer is going to actually continue for us for the whole year. We're going to be talking about prayer throughout the year. We're going to have some special prayer events and special prayer classes and special prayer material. You'll see prayer integrated into our worship services in some different ways throughout this year. And th the reason that lies behind all of that, and it's, it's really the motivating factor for the series we're in right now, is this basic truth. You don't have to stay stuck in your prayer life. You don't have to. Uh, and, and I know most of you feel stuck in your prayer life. And the reason I know that is because for like 20 years, one of the questions I ask people when I'm in pastoral conversations is I ask them, Tell me about your prayer life. Would you say your prayer life compared to five years ago or ten years ago is about the same, a little better, or a little worse? And every once in a while, people will say, it's, uh, you know, it's actually a little worse. You know, this happened and this happened, and I just kind of got, you know, got sideways on prayer. And every once in a while, they'll say a little better. You know, it's a little better. This happened and this happened, and I'm growing in prayer, and I'm experiencing new opportunities in prayer. But almost everybody says, well, it's, it's about the same, you know. And then what they say next is varies from different person to person. Some people say, it's about the same. I, I get up every morning and pray. 
Or it's about the same, I, I pray for meals. Or it's about the same, I, I pray every other meal and when my car starts to slide off the road because there's ice. That's, I also pray then. Or, you know, I, I, did the, I was a student minister for a long time. Tell me about your prayer life. And one, one bold, honest kid says, oh, I pray all the time before every test. That's it. Like that, that I say, that's my, own, that's my entire prayer life. I said, I'm going to call your teachers and have them give you more tests so you'll grow closer to God, uh, you know. Um, but that's the most common answer I get is, how's your prayer life? Compare it. It's about the, about the same. And, and the idea of this series, that, that whole little phrase, you are here, pray like this, is just the reminder that wherever you are in life, whatever situation where you're in, whatever your reality is, there's a way for you to move forward in prayer. And that God's word actually anticipates how we will get stuck in prayer and kind of teaches us how to, how to move forward. We've been talking about this in this series. Now, I want to remind you about a couple things. Um, we can get confused pretty quickly when we talk about prayer, when we talk about growing in prayer, you know, because sometimes we have this sort of fundamental misunderstanding about what prayer is. Uh, some of us, now we, you wouldn't put it this way. You would never say this. I, and, I, and I'm not trying to like be too hard on you. But some of us think that prayer is about manipulating God to do what we want. Now, you wouldn't put it that way. But, but, we, but we, we dis, you discover this about yourself when, when this happens. You pray for something and God doesn't do it. And, and, you, and you ask this question, why don't my prayers work? You know, some of you have asked that question. Why don't my prayers work? And when you ask that question, that implies that what you thought it meant for prayer to work was for God to do what you wanted, which means that what you think prayer is, is it's, it's a method for manipulating God to do your will. Okay, and, and again, if that sits in the back of what you think about prayer, I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I just want to call your attention to this danger that we could misunderstand prayer and think that prayer is designed to manipulate God. Uh, it, it isn't. That's, that's not what prayer is. The, the, at the core of prayer, core, it, prayer is designed to deepen and maintain our relationship with God. To deepen and maintain our relationship with a, with a loving father, with a, with a sovereign king, with an all-powerful creator. To deepen and maintain that relationship. This is why we, we said a few weeks ago that, that our prayers will sometimes include our frustration and our anger toward God. Uh, the Bible's filled with people who pray angry prayers. And I'll just say, if you have never prayed an angry prayer, it could be because you're super holy. I'll leave that as a possibility. But it, it could be, if you have never prayed an angry prayer, it could be because you don't actually believe in God. Because if you actually believe that God was sovereign and God could act in the world, and then we suffer like we do, you might occasionally pray, God, why did you let this happen? Some of you might be today, like some of you today, the realest prayer you have is, God, why are you letting this happen? Right? You know? And I, and I would just say, that's a really honest prayer. That's a prayer that maintains and deepens your relationship with God because it's a true thing to God and God wants to hear your heart, you know? And that's the purpose of prayer. 
This is why, of course, prayer will include sharing your needs and making requests of God. That's a perfectly legitimate and, and important part of our prayer lives. But we make those requests of a God who is holy and wise and who sometimes says no and sometimes has other plans for us. And that's a hard thing, but it's a, it's a true thing. This is why we talked a few weeks ago about how as, as we want to grow in prayer, we need to learn how to spend time in prayer. We said we need to learn how to have scheduled and sustained times of prayer where you stay in a posture of prayer for five whole minutes and then 15 whole minutes and then maybe an hour. And again, when we think about other relationships in our lives, this makes sense, right? Like, so if you said to me, oh yeah, they're my best friend, right? Or, or I'm really working on my relationship with my wife. We're trying to strengthen our relationship. And, and so I talk to them 30 seconds at a time, three times a day. I would say to you, maybe, maybe you're not working as hard on your relationship as you think you are. I thought just a little, little tidbit here. And the same is true in our prayer lives. We need these scheduled and sustained times of prayer because prayer is about maintaining and deepening a relationship with God. Um, this is, last week, we talked about how if you want to be unstuck in your prayer life, your prayer life is going to have to include serious and honest confession of sin. Every relationship does. If there's any relationship you want to maintain, a marriage relationship, a family relationship, a friendship, you're going to have to occasionally say, oh, I'm so sorry. I blew it, right? And, and your relationship with God is no exception. In fact, on the contrary from being an exception, it's the premier example of this. You can't have an honest relationship with God if you aren't honest about where you sin and, and where you fall short and and if you're refusing to do that, your prayer life is going to get stuck because at, at the core of your relationship with God is this lie that you keep saying to God that you, where you're saying, I'm fine, I'm fine, because you're not fine, you know. And, and I hope, I hope uh, that, that you have been maybe blessed by this series. I'll just say, I know I have. Um, this month has been one of the deepest and richest months of prayer in my life in a long time. I just, it's, I'm just so glad. Like, if you ask me the question today, is your prayer life today better or worse or the same? I would say it's better because I've been growing in prayer along with many of you. And I've heard from many of you that you've been growing in prayer uh, this month. Um, and even as I celebrate that, I do want to offer just a little word of, um, of spiritual warning I want to tell you about a danger you, you could be in right now. Uh, I don't offer this warning because I have any evidence of it, you know. I'm just trying to anticipate. It's like, you know, when you, when you hand your, a kid something and it's hot, you say, be careful, it's hot, because you know they might grab it and then immediately let go of it when they're surprised to discover it's hot. And, and that's sort of what I'm doing. I want to give you a warning. I don't know that anybody here is doing this. I just know you could, so I want to give you a warning, okay? There is a danger... Uh, out of this series, that um, you might learn something about prayer and experience a sense of, you know, genuine gladness that you've learned something about prayer, and that you could let that gladness that you've learned something about prayer satisfy you. That would sound like this. Huh, that was a great sermon series. 
I learned a lot about prayer. I'm glad I learned a bunch about prayer. No, 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 you might not hear the danger, but I want you to know that reaction is a spiritually dangerous reaction. And so I just want to protect you if that's kind of what you're prone to. Because what happens if you let yourself be satisfied from having learned about prayer, you might miss the real invitation of this series, which is to pray. In fact, I would be much more pleased by this reaction. That sermon series was a disaster. I couldn't follow a thing he said, but I'm praying a lot more, so I guess I got something out of it. Like that is a reaction that would give me great joy. And I just want you to know, this is true in every area of our spiritual lives, that learning about something, as beautiful as it is, actually has a little bit of spiritual threat attached to it. Because we can develop a sense of pride about what we have learned about something that satisfies what God was actually trying to do, which was to change how we live. So I just want to kind of warn you about that, because prayer is the thing we are after. Because in every situation you're in, you are here. Wherever you are today, there is a way God wants you to move forward in prayer. And we're going to talk about a situation today. Um, This is a situation some of you might be in right now. And so this sermon will be super useful for you like this minute. But it might be a situation that you're in in the future, some other time. And, um, and so maybe you'll just sort of save this message uh, for a future moment when you need to, to remember what God's word has to teach us. Uh, the situation we're going to talk about today is when you find yourself at a crossroads of life. When you find yourself in a situation where things are about to change or you wonder if they should be about to change. Maybe it's a moment of decision. You're trying to decide, do I go this way or that way? A little warning. Sometime in the next couple minutes, I think I'm going to sneeze super loudly. I can sort of feel it coming, but I've kind of lost control of it. So if it happens, just just relax, okay? But it's sort of coming on. Um, It'll be a test for a sound operator to see if they can drop the sound fast enough. Okay, but anyway, that's a little warning. Okay, where was I? Oh, yeah, at the crossroads. Oh, yeah. Where we are today, uh, now it feels like it's never going to happen. Isn't that just the way it is with the sneeze? Anyways, okay, we're at a crossroads. We're at a, cro- at a moment of preparation. Times in your life where wisdom is needed. Times maybe where you're being sent in a new direction. Where you're going toward a new ministry. Moments where you have big questions in life. Maybe you're getting ready to retire or you're wondering if you should. Or, or you, you've been dating somebody for a little while and you're wondering, is this t- the time we get engaged and get married? Or is this the time we break up and head toward other people? Or, or, or you're married and you're trying to decide, am I ready to double down and go to counseling and save this marriage? Or do, do I need to give up? And, you know, trying to figure those things out. And sometimes when we're in a crossroads situation, we wonder, what are the spiritual practices that could help me navigate this situation in a way that honors God and leads to wisdom? And that's what we're going to talk about today. What, what, are the, what, what practices does the Bible teach us at moments of the crossroads of life that help us honor God? Uh, first of all, you just need to know that praying for wisdom is directly taught all over Scripture. Probably the easiest spot is uh, James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, it will be given to you. 
And we can look at several other places where God's word commands us when we're at these decision points of life to pray and seek the wisdom of God. One of my favorite, it's just this beautiful poetic image that's been useful in my life, is Jeremiah 6, verse 16. Now, if you read the whole chapter, you would see this is an oracle of severe criticism of God's people because they ignore the advice Jeremiah is about to give them. But here's the advice he gives them. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. And he goes on to spend the rest of the chapter criticizing them for ignoring this advice. And since I don't want Jeremiah to come back and criticize me, we're going to pay attention to this advice, okay? We're going to say that when you are at crossroads moments in life where you're trying to make big decisions, the thing to do is to stop, to stand at the crossroads. And look, and then ask God, show me the ancient path. Show me where the good way is, and I will walk in it. And again, we see this command to stop and seek the wisdom of God all over Scripture. But in addition to the command, we also see examples of it all over Scripture. Jesus did this. Before every major move of his ministry, Jesus experienced an extended time of prayer. Before he began his ministry, 40 days in the wilderness, fasting and praying. Uh, Before he went to the cross, he gathered his disciples. They went to the garden so they could spend some serious, devoted time in prayer. One of my favorites is before he chose the 12 disciples, Luke chapter 6. It says, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. He spent the whole night praying to God. When the morning came, he called his disciples to him, chose 12 of them, whom he had also designated apostles. This was Jesus' strategy in life. The crossroads moments of his life were marked by extended, intentional times of prayer. And again, we could look throughout scripture and find dozens and 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 dozens of examples of God's people doing this. I look throughout the Old Testament, look throughout the New Testament. This is what we see at these crossroads moments. The people of God set aside time to pray for wisdom, direction, sovereignty, protection, whatever they needed. One of my favorite examples is Acts chapter 13. It says, uh, this is, uh, we're at the church of Antioch, and it's sort of, we're sort of at an elders retreat here, okay? Uh, this is the leaders of the church of Antioch are gathered together. Here's what it says. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Saul's the guy we know better as Paul. He went by two names during this phase of his ministry. Uh, he's, he ended up writing a bunch of the Bible. That's this Saul guy. Verse 2, it says this, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they'd fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. This is a crossroads moment, a turning point moment. It's a major shift in the trajectory and strategy of the missions of God's church. This is the first time we see two missionaries being sent out on purpose. Up till now, missionaries had mostly been driven out by uh, Roman and Jewish persecution. This is the first time they went out on purpose. 
We, we see a leadership team of a church already gathered for a serious time of fasting and prayer, seeking the wisdom of God. And then in the middle of that, they do receive the wisdom of God. Wisdom that probably would have not sounded very wise to any of them. Uh, these are two of their rock star leaders, Barnabas and Saul, and they're being told, send them out. And then what do they do? They stop and they fast and they pray. The text doesn't tell us. It's just one sentence, right? After they'd fasted and prayed. And if you're just reading one sentence, you might think to yourself, oh, that probably is like, what, 15 minutes, right? You know? All right, great. Fast, pray, go. Boom. Except no. It couldn't have been 15 minutes because it says they fasted. And just to be clear, if it only takes 15 minutes, it wasn't a fast. That's just called being late for lunch. Being late for lunch is not the same as fasting, okay? I know that's going to seriously disappoint some of you. Because um, you thought every time you were stuck in traffic, like this is a holy moment between me and God right here. No, being late for lunch. So, I mean, I don't know how long. I mean, they at least skipped a meal, right? So we're at least talking about six or seven hours here. Maybe we're talking about days. This was a huge moment. And they wanted to make sure they discerned the Spirit of God clearly before they sent these people off. There are a few things I want to notice about this encounter that we can learn from. And maybe what we're going to notice together will help you if you find yourself at a crossroads in life. And you know what you need to do is spend some time in prayer. First thing you need to notice is that these people had practiced this. Sometimes we get to a crossroads moment in life and we're like, I really need to take this to the Lord in prayer. You know, I need to bathe this in prayer. But we don't know how. Because we have not developed the discipline of spending time before God. We talked about three weeks ago. Go back and listen to that sermon if you need to know how to spend time with God in prayer. But in Acts, these people knew it. Acts chapter 1, how does the book start? They're at an all-day prayer meeting. Acts chapter 2, how does it start? At an all-day prayer meeting. Acts chapter 4, some of the apostles in trouble. What do they do? Hold an all-day prayer meeting. These people had learned the discipline of going to God and spending time in prayer. That's the first thing you got to notice. To be ready for the crossroads, you have to have learned how to anchor your life in times of prayer before God. The second thing we notice here is that fasting was part of their intentional time of prayer. We could preach a whole sermon on fasting, and that's beyond the scope of what I've got today. But if you look at Scripture, you'll see often when people are at these crossroads moments, and they needed the wisdom of God, and the direction of God, and the leadership of God, and the protection of God, part of the way they sought that was through fasting and prayer. Now, if you think that's something you need to do, don't you go off and just stop eating. If you don't know how to fast, you've never learned, come learn. Come talk, ask me questions, learn from somebody. The Bible's full of helpful information about how to guide your fast in a way. Uh, fasting is not about impressing God because you skipped lunch, okay? God's not impressed because you skipped lunch, okay? That's not what it's about. Uh, fasting, though, does, uh, it, it helps us focus our attention on the Lordship of God, the provision of God, the leadership of God, and it reminds us that we are not self-sufficient. There's nothing like being hungry that reminds you that you are dependent for your very life on the sustenance and care of your God. And without God's provision, you'd be dead in a week. 
And, and then that spills over to every area of your life. And so fasting can focus you and remind you that you are dependent and trusting on God. And so it, it does help focus your, fair, your prayers. And maybe that'd be a useful discipline for you. Don't just go do it without some advice and help, but it might be useful. Next thing we can notice about what's going on in Acts 13 is that they're praying together. It's a community together praying for wisdom. They don't just say to Saul and Barnabas, all right, you two go pray by yourselves and come tell us what you've decided. No, they seek God's wisdom together. Part of why we interrupt our our worship services all the time to make a big deal about Connect Sunday. We do it like four or five times a year. Part of the reason we do that is when the day comes that you need a team of people who are willing to pray with you and pray for you and seek the direction of God with you, I want you to have those people. Because prayer as a community unites us in a spiritual unity that is bigger than just being buddies and just having similar hobbies. And I want you to have people who will join you in prayer. Another thing we could notice from this and so many other stories is they never make a big move without just immersing it in prayer. You go read through scripture, story after story after story, situation after situation after situation. When they hit a big roadblock or a major crossroads or a turning point, whether it's in their personal life or their communal life or their national life, they stop and they worship and they pray sometimes for days before they make whatever move that is. Now, If this is the kind of thing that you would find enjoyable this week, I'm sure you could look through all scripture and you could find one example somewhere in the Bible where they made a big decision or a big move without stopping and praying for a long time. I'm not saying it never happened once. But while looking for that one example, you would find dozens after dozens after dozens that establish the pattern for God's people. And that is that at the crossroads of our lives, at the major turning points of our lives, we are instructed to stop And look and seek the wisdom of God so that God would direct our paths. And maybe maybe you can just sort of be asking yourself the question, is that that my habit? Is that what I do? Do I surround myself with people who trust God and love me and... I say, would you set aside a time so that we can discern this together and seek the wisdom of God? Now, I need to be super clear here. Building this practice of prayer around the major turning points of your life um, will not turn your life into a fairy tale, okay? You'll still occasionally make bad decisions and you'll still occasionally feel confused. That's absolutely the case. I remember one time... It was several years ago now. Betsy and I were facing a major decision. It was going to have implications for our ministry, for our marriage, for our parenting. We had this really big decision. We knew this decision was coming. We saw it coming weeks in advance. We'd been praying about this decision for weeks. Uh, we had a deadline by which we had to make the decision. Um, we, we had, there were a few people who knew about this decision we were facing, and it was sort of a clear A, B. It was either do this or do this. Like It wasn't like a subtle, complex decision. There weren't shades of gray. We could either do one 
one thing or another thing. Um, we asked some people to be praying for us, and they were. They set aside times of prayer. Uh, and we were, we were really lost in this decision, but we, you know, we knew what to do. We, we, we used some vacation days, and we, we took off time the, the last week we had before we could make the decision, and we just, we just spent it together, and we walked, and we talked, and we prayed, and we were silent before the Lord, just desperately asking God to give us wisdom. We were doing the thing in Jeremiah 16. We stood at the crossroads and we looked and we said, show us the ancient ways. We want to walk in your ways. We know that that will lead us to be blessed. Help us and guide us and direct us. Um, the end of this season came and, and the day, it was a Sunday afternoon and we had to make the phone call that would be this decision, either A or B. And we were clueless. We had no idea. what We didn't know what we wanted to do. We didn't know what made sense. And we definitely didn't know what God wanted us to do. Uh, so if you're asking, did prayer work? Well, then go back to where we started. That's, prayer wasn't about manipulating God. I, I will say, what, even though we were really confused, uh, there were a couple cool things. We were unified. Like we were bound together, me and Betsy. Like in our confusion, we were like as, as close and as tight as we'd ever been as a couple. We were humbled you know, it was a good reminder that God is the one with wisdom, not us. And we, we wanted God's wisdom, and we didn't have any. We were dependent. We were entirely trusting on God because we were so confused. Uh, but either way, we had to make this phone call. So I made the phone call, and we made a decision. And uh, uh, within 24 hours, um, God had just poured out his spirit into our lives and both of us had complete spiritual certainty that we had made the wrong decision. Um, so um, did, we, uh, we, did we pray some prayers of frustration to God? We absolutely did. Like it was, God, thank you for being faithful to send wisdom to your people. Could you possibly have done it 24 hours earlier? Um, so I, I called back and said, so funny thing about the spirit of God. And God did work it to allow us to, you know, go the other way, the way we now knew with clarity God was calling us. Um, so yeah, I'm not saying that if you'll, there'll never be any chaos if you bathe your decisions in prayer and invest in fasting to bring your attention to God. I'm not saying there'll never be any chaos. But I want you to know what that prayer did in our spiritual lives, okay? Even the way it worked out, even the frustration of having to call back 24 hours later and saying, actually, could we do the exact opposite of what I said yesterday? Um, it, it anchored us to God. It just bound our lives to God. Like at the end of that process, we knew with such certainty that everything was in God, God's hands. That, uh, that we had not manipulated this situation. We had trusted our way like blind children through it. And that God was sovereign, you know. And that's the goal of prayer. Is not to accomplish your will but to develop so, such intimacy with God that your will becomes aligned with God's will. So, when you're at the crossroads, Jeremiah says, stop and look. Seek the ancient ways. 
ask of the Lord how he would have you go so that your way will be blessed. Um, I'm going to close in prayer here in just a little bit. Um, Some of you might be at a crossroads today, and maybe you want prayer today. Uh, When we sing in a minute, there will be a prayer team over here. Um, Come up. Let us pray for you. Maybe that's what you need to do is seek the ancient ways today, and we could help guide you in that prayer. But the main thing, I'm going to go back to where I started. You are here, pray like this. Um, Don't let it happen that you learn something about prayer today and are satisfied by what you've learned so that you forget to pray. And maybe if you would, I I want to close with a prayer today. This is Psalm 145. We talked a few weeks ago about praying scripture. This is a great prayer from scripture. If you're the kind of person who wants to see the words I'm praying, you could pull out a Bible in front of you and turn to Psalm 145. If, if, if you want to just let me pray over you, I will. If you're following on in scripture and you think I started ad-libbing, I am going to ad-lib a little bit. So just, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. This is from Psalm 145. And then after I've prayed for us, the band's going to lead us in a little song. And about halfway through, they'll invite you to stand up and join them in the song. It'll, we'll just let the song become part of our prayer here today. Let's pray together, Psalm 145. We exalt you, O God the King. We praise your name forever and ever and ever. Every day we will praise you. Great is the Lord, most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. Oh God, we know what you have done in our lives. We have seen your faithfulness to us, and we will tell of your mighty acts. We will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. We will meditate on how good you have been to us. And then we will tell the power of your awesome works. We will not keep silent. The world will know as we proclaim your great deeds. God, you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. And so we, God, are not slow to confess our sin to you, to share our brokenness with you. But we are quick to confess because you are slow to anger and rich in love. You are good to all, Lord God, and have compassion on all you have made. You are trustworthy, God to keep all your promises. You are faithful, God. In every action, you are faithful. Oh God, right now, would you lift up all those who fall down? Would you hold up all those who are bent down? Give us our food at the proper time. Open your hands to meet our needs, O God. And may our mouths speak in praise of the Lord. Let us, along with every creature, praise your holy name forever and ever.
Amen.